This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada big, bada boom. Welcome to episode 101 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. And then we have our trailer roundup featuring the highly anticipated Avatar, The Way of Water. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 101 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, duty. Welcome to episode 101 of the Driving Podcast. Shout out, Zoe. This is Dr. O on the horn. I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Ricky Flicks. We're coming off our Multiverse of Madness review. An excellent review if you haven't checked it out on our feed. Make sure to do so. Also available on YouTube right now. Pretty... I mean, Ricky, that was a high that we just came off of with that theater experience we just had with Multiverse of Madness. Uh, how we living and watching any TV, any Sunday night HBO specials or what? Well, winning time finale. The winning time finale. Again, they skipped the first five games of the of the finals, the 1980 NBA finals. And they just went straight to game. Oh, no, this the first four games. And they went to game five. So, again, them skipping time. Now, I think the episode was pretty good. It wasn't great, but a lot of basketball. Definitely, like, every time I look at Dr. J in that show and a couple of the other guys, I'm like, these guys aren't athletes. They're overweight. They're older actors. They just look like these real people. So let's just try to finagle them in. And then they use the same highlight, like, 30 times, the same type of layout that Dr. J would just do. And it's clearly a stunt double. Other than that, I thought, like, Magic Johnson, uh, whoever plays him, awesome. He is awesome. Quincy Isaiah. Yeah, he is really, really good. I am looking forward to seeing. I know he'll be doing winning time for the foreseeable future here, but whatever he does after winning time, I'm very interested to see uh, what he does next. So you brought up something interesting because I couldn't shake it. People have been complaining about the age of some of these basketball players in the show. Uh, Specifically, they've talked about Wood Harris of Remember the Titans fame playing a professional athlete, Spencer Haywood. In 2022, which is beyond incomprehensible, just makes no sense whatsoever. Another good but example for me. Like, what looks even worse is Dr. J, who looks like he's Magic's uncle, like playing. Like, it's just the receding hairline. Like, you can tell it's not him actually out there, that actor. I thought the guy who plays Dr. J is just like, yes, it kind of looks like him, but he looks so aged compared to like, it's even Kareem. Cause he's supposed to be like, Kareem, I think, supposed to be like almost the same age as Dr. J here. I think they're hovering around the same um, it's, years it's, in the NBA, same experience and everything. Just like, he looks god awful you're supposed to be looking at like prime dr j and it looks like he's 45 years old right but he's at the he's sort of at the tail end he's got a couple years left he's still a perennial all-star i would say but it just looks like he's magic's dad yeah yeah i would say he does look like magic's dad in the show um 
I forget the actor's name, but in uh, Don't Look Up. Rob Morgan. Yeah, he look he looks like the same age as Rob Morgan in the show. Yeah, um, I think also what I did like about this finale is that it tied up a lot of storylines. Missing a couple, I think I think some storylines are going to be stretched out over the course of multiple seasons. So along with the idea, I like the relationship between Magic and Kareem, uh, kind of basically them bonding at the beginning of this episode, but also giving you a taste of maybe some uh, mini rivalry that's going to come into the future. They're teasing like the future Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. They seem to dive into that and the psychological element on both sides in that regard. And then they're teasing Jeannie Buss in the future. They're teasing like Paul Westhead setting aside and then Pat Riley, Adrian Brody. What I'm going to miss is that dynamic because like it really showed out in terms of those two in the locker room, you got Westhead like doing those. I know they're like, it's obviously hyperbolic the way he's like saying these like poems in the locker room. I doubt he was really doing that to the uh, extent that he, that Siegel's doing in this show. But I like Pat Riley is like the antithesis, antithesis of him as a coach. He's he's fired up, right? He's swearing at the guys. He's trying to motivate Magic Johnson. So they're really building up Pat Riley to take control. But I'm going to be sad to see Siegel go. I wonder if they're going to continue his character at all. I know he doesn't have much relevance beyond this 1980 season, but I think Siegel really showed out too. And he actually was like looking more the part here. He had like the slightly blondish hair. He's wearing the nice suit. They had the confrontation with him and McKinney. Uh, but it's just, I think they're saying also like, he doesn't have the cojones really to hold on to the job anyway, but I'm going to miss Siegel if they don't bring him back. Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember what Westhead does in the future as in like how, if he even stays on for one or two more years, I forget. I think maybe just one more. I'm not positive on that. I think he's gone after they, he's gone after after they win the year. title. Then Riley okay. takes over. Okay. Well, basically, honestly, I think it was a good one, like season stint for Siegel here. But I think again, we talked about this with uh, that Netflix movie that came out earlier this year. Um, the Hitchcockian one. What's that one called? Jesse Plemons, Pump Boy. Windfall. Yeah. Like he just has, he should be doing more. And this isn't it. This role again is a sort of seagull, seagull role where he's like a goofball. He needs to be doing more in a more like bigger role and a bigger capacity but also not just being a goofball because he's more than that. It's just I'm like, like, uh, it, like, honestly, I think of like, every time I say that, I'm like, I think of once upon a time in Hollywood when like the director of the show goes, the Rick is like, you're better than that. Like, I think he's better than that. And he just doesn't prove it ever. And it's because he's very conservative with the roles he takes. Yeah. I would like to see him take a couple more risks. It seems like if he was going to play any role in this series, it'd be this one. Uh, just because the soft-spoken guy just seems to be lacking confidence, okay, uh, but is a good guy. You know, he's, he plays good guys. Like I think he's forever ingrained as how I met your mother, dude, along with forgetting Sarah Marshall, like yeah, uh, as Peter. That's just who he is. You know, I don't know if he really has much left other than this. I think he's too ingrained with just this nice guy mentality. If he could push the boundaries a little bit, that'd be nice. The Hitchcocky and windfall type of role seemed like it could have been that. But at the end of the day, he was playing this, this basically this killer who can't pull through and actually kill anybody, you know, at least intentionally. So that didn't really pay off like for, uh, in terms of his career, like I thought it would alongside the likes of Lily Collins and Jason Siegel. But 
you know, we'll hold out. We'll maybe he combines again with Apatow for something. I kind of like that. Yeah, duo. That, that might be nice. Yeah. So, but overall, like, would you say the series was a success? Do you think, um, I guess compared to the first episode, the fast editing, the fast pace and the editing, it's very unique, but did you kind of settle in with this type of show? And uh, did you end up, I guess, are you like craving a season two? I think settling in is a good way to put it. It's like after that first episode where you were unsure, I think it found its sweet spot in the middle of the season where it was like a routine. Every Sunday night, you look forward to winning time. And I think that's like, it's not like a Game of Thrones epic. Like you have to, like nine o'clock, you got to be at your seat. Spoilers. Like you got, you already know the ending. It's like a documentary style, right? So it's like, you know what happens. It's not like it's out of this world. Um, like succession, another example, event. It's not like a television event, you know, it's just another show yeah. that's a part of your routine. But I think it's a it's good enough to be a part of your routine. But again, like the end of the season, again, we all knew this was gonna happen. It was just gonna be interesting to see how they portray it. And also with the the off the court or off the set, what's been going on the past couple of weeks with Jerry West threatening to sue since Adam McKay and his lawyers a letter saying he needs an apology, a public apology from him, Warner Brothers and Discovery. Like there's probably I bet they don't. And then there'll be a lawsuit. So that will get more attention to this and more people to watch it, which any publicity is good publicity. So I think that will only fuel fire for the season two when Adrian Brody, who I think is with Quincy Isaiah, the best performer out of this season, when he takes the reins here and pushes this series forward. Yeah, I think. Jerry West, if he saw this finale, probably someone told him about it. He probably didn't have, like, he couldn't muster up the energy to watch it and see himself as such a, like, a sort not not really a buffoon, but just a guy who just can't control his emotions. I think he, if he saw this episode, he would have doubled down on his thoughts because it wasn't the most positive light for him. But uh, I thought they sort of wrapped up his character very well here. I assume we're going to see him again because Jason Clark's such a big actor and Jerry West means so much to the Lakers. Like, to see him, like, just at the end, acknowledging that he was a part of the success of this team, but it also, it's like, it's reflecting on the failures he had, all right, not winning those titles against the Celtics, all right, being a perennial loser through the most of his career in the finals. So, I mean, I would love to keep seeing him here, but I think with this controversy, there's a chance that we just don't get any more Jerry West, unfortunately. Um, but I also want to throw in another name that you mentioned great performances. Tracy Letts as Jack McKinney. He was great. He was good, but he's he someone that obviously we don't see. We don't anticipate seeing much in the future based on Pat Riley's role here. Like, I, I, like the coaching aspect here, I think is super important, like the managing the styles and like Riley is like Showtime himself, and he's really transformed from the beginning of the season as this guy, like this former player who can't seem to find his way, and then he really seems to be this motivator, and you're going to see that relationship build with Magic Johnson. And then, I mean, I think we're building towards like some great development for Magic Johnson's character where he is now – like he might take a turn to like a villainous type of side here, being like all consumed by this rivalry with Larry Bird, looking – uh, David Stern at the end saying you are pretty much the face of the NBA right now. And that might drive people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar away from him. And I think that could provide some juicy stuff. So I am looking forward to the sequel here. Maybe they'll learn from their mistakes a little bit in terms of what turned audiences, audiences on, what turned them off. 
All right. The fictional storytelling. What are they going to have to ramp it up even more so with season two? Because this had a lot of oomph to it, you know, just from the once the this one season, 1980 season. But I think where the way to focus now is Lakers Celtics for an entire season two. I think so, because like, you know, it's the first year Jerry Buss coming on board, the whole background with Jerry Buss. I think the future is going to be what you just said. And then also um, Jeannie Buss come, getting through the ranks. I think that there's those are going to be the two main areas where they just drive. Uh, those are the two main themes that are going to drive this series forward. And again, like I'm really looking forward to seeing like John C. Riley, like he probably like Jerry Buss, like obviously he still will have a huge role, but like there won't be anything like the the stakes in this one where he could have lost the team he could like first year with it could have gone bankrupt like all, all the implications within the stakes like i mentioned like i just don't see it like having as much of an influence on this next season and going forward so it's going to be interesting what they do with him as well yeah so the stakes there you mentioned and then obviously these coaches that are going by the wayside like who's going to be introduced in this new season what kind of new faces James will worthy we see? James, James Worthy. I like that. Okay. Another star being added to the mix. Maybe some locker room conflict. I like that. But uh, once again, the Jeannie Buss aspect, it just provides more potential for character development here because you're going to see her go from this timid, uh, basically daughter of this uh, uh, millionaire at the time. Although, like he would say, he wasn't a millionaire just because of the assets he didn't really have, but people just viewed him that way. I think it's going to be cool to see her development because, like, well, we knew we the genie boss for us is just like, oh my god, she's like associated, she's right along next to Jerry Boss when it comes to the new school Lakers, like Kobe Shaq era, and then just Kobe Pau Gasol. Like, genie boss is a staple for the NBA. David Stern having a bigger role, that's someone else, yeah. And I don't know how long they're gonna jump, like maybe season three, we're looking at MJ in the mix, they skip a couple of years. I don't know, they you just have that NBA drama that starts to build. They pick the best time when the NBA is being brought back up, right? People live in these lifestyles. I, did, I feel like they didn't dive into that as much. They, dra- they drove into the crack cocaine with Spencer Haywood, right? And they even had, like, such tension with, like, him plotting potential murders of Kareem Ridiculous. Magic and Paul They just Weston. throw that at us at but the end of the season. But that actually happened, Ricky. That actually crazy. happened. That was, uh, it's crazy. Yes, and I think – that part people don't remember, but the fact that this show has exaggerated so many things, they thought, like I thought initially that was just made up and they were just trying to add some juice here. But the fact that it was, a, I looked up and did some research that that was a real thing. That's banana lands. That's banana lands. And that, that's like literally the eighth thing down the list in terms of the draw, the dramatics that play off in the show. And then magic, right? We got her and him and cookie still has to like be played out, oh, anticipate yeah. magic. And we, him living his lifestyle. In season two see how that goes yeah cool uh all right any final thoughts we move on no no looking forward to season two but again like not like the event like you think of with hbo just a part of the routine part of the lineup it is season one so maybe it builds up that momentum a little bit it's hard to have that type of anticipation for season one of a show especially one that has been kind of polarizing but we're definitely going to keep following along we'll definitely stay uh Stay up to date with when they're shooting the next season. So, also, do you check out Barry, Ricky Flux? Yeah, yeah, good episode. Yeah, good episode, too. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like getting in a groove once again for this season. Cousineau, relationship with Bill Hader. You got Steven Root also making a, a, basically a goat herder 
in this episode. I thought that was a laugh out loud funny moment when he asked like the staff and he's acting like a biblical figure, like marching these goats. Uh, where is he? Where was he? Chechnya? Where, where is he right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in Chechnya right now. Noho Hanks still like closeting his relationship with Crystal Ball. So but it's starting that, to unravel. Starting to unravel. It seems like there's gonna. I, I like. I guess my prediction is that Chris Ball is gonna be donezo within a couple episodes. I think. Yeah. I can't see him lasting long. Yeah, I think he's donezo. I don't know. A couple episodes, maybe end of the season they'll wait, um, make it dramatic end of the season type of turn. But he's donezo, I think too. Um, I will say though, like Mr. Cuso, I'm just done with him. It's, little, it's getting. It's getting a little tired. Yeah, we. I'm, I was happy when he said, don't come to my house or whatever. At the end of the episode, I'm like, all right, hopefully we don't see him again. I like, I know we will at some point, but like, I'm done. I'm, I'm really done with kill. that. Yeah. And that storyline, great finale in season two with it. And it was good to like see what happened here. But now it's like, okay, you know what? We probably should have just killed him. And the whole thing is, like, I don't feel bad for Mr. Kusino. He's a terrible person. <laughs> because he's also a terrible person. I think it's interesting that they put these two next to each other. They're terrible in different ways. You know, obviously one is much more extreme than the other. But it's not like Mr. Kusino was a saint. And Barry did do him a favor. But it's just, like, <laughs> Barry expecting for him to be happy. And, like, when they're reciting lines and he's basically asking for him to forgive him i was just like that's kind of genius that that's the one line he has and mr kusino can't muster it up right muster up the energy to actually say the line to right. barry in the show i think that's great writing I, I think that was really good and clever um yeah so we'll keep you I'll, we'll keep you up to date with barry uh nothing nothing no major steps this episode it just seemed like we were nothing continuing major. a little bit right it's just finding that groove heading towards the middle all right. Anything else you're watching before we jump into the checkup and trailer roundup? I I will say I have been, I started Severance, and I'm four episodes in, and it's like if Black Mirror had like took its best plot that you could develop into a, a whole show, and it has stars in it like Adam Scott. That's like you know known for Parks and Rec being uh the sidekick to Leslie Nope, right? And, you know, stepbrothers, the uh, brothers of Wolf Barrel and that, Brent, Brent in there. But, like, he really owns this show. I'm so impressed. The director, Ben Stiller, again, again, I'm, I'm talking to people that haven't watched this yet. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. John Turturro, our boy, Carmine, Fa Carmine Falcone, Christopher Walken. Like, there's, and then there's a bunch of other names that, or actors that you would know but you just like can't put their name on. You can't like, you wouldn't know their name, but it's like, Oh, I know those people. I like, I, I know them from this movie or that movie. The show is awesome. And I'm only four episodes in. It's a little slow because it kind of has to explain a lot of different things because it has to explain a lot of reasoning why you can't do this or you can't do that because it just wants to like cancel those out for you. So you're not thinking about that. So you're really focused on the show, but now it's starting to hit its groove. And unlike winning time, I think season two, is going to be like an event every Sunday or whenever the episodes come out, that will be an event. It's well, that's, a, that's the example we're talking about, though, where it's the first season of something. It builds up this reputation. Severance has built up its reputation. It's one of the best shows that have come out in the last couple of years. So good. Now that people know that, and it has such a great cliffhanger at the end of season one, I've not seen it, but it's just no building spoilers. up that anticipation. you know. And it has that once it has that reputation, Apple TV on the up and up, 
a lot of people are going to be tuning in for season two. It's all about the success in season one and see what delivers afterwards. So go watch that if you haven't. I highly, highly suggest it. Whenever I finish the season, I'll do a quick like review, like a one minute review, like I just did. Like I'm, I'm telling you, this show is really good. I'll have to check it out. I will start it since winning time just ended. I'll only be having those 30-minute Barry episodes. I did want to start Under the Banner of Heaven. Still haven't done so. I'm slacking hard right now. Episode three is more of the same. Severance, I will be on that train. It seems like it's absolutely riveting, you know? So with that being said, I feel like we should move to actually the trailer roundup as the leadoff today compared to the checkup. And then we have to talk about some Avatar avatar the way of water releasing in theaters december 16th we actually saw this trailer in theaters before dr strange it wasn't available until today we are recording on monday okay so trailers available for everyone to see ricky flex instant reactions upon seeing avatar the way of water on your cell phone and in the in theaters so i actually didn't watch it on my cell phone i watched it on my computer and after I watched it, again, after seeing it in theaters, I watched it on my laptop, like I said. And I immediately, first thing I did, I went and checked out the 2009 trailer because I wanted to compare the trailers to see the quality of the CGI and everything. And I do think, I don't think the first one, it's not, it's not like drastically different, at least right now. I think in the theater, it really showed. I did not see the first Avatar in theaters. Yes, I'm one of those few that didn't actually go to the theater and see it. But what I would say is that I'm really happy that this is just a teaser, a minute and a half of no talking, really, and just like showing us the beauty of this world versus the trailer that I watched, the official trailer for the first Avatar movie. I forget how trailers used to be. They literally give away the entire movie. Mm. Like the entire mm. movie, because they have to explain like what they're doing, every character, like the main characters and their backstory because they have to explain so much of why there's CGI going into this. So it's just like, sorry. I'm... I heard that something fell. Yeah. So they, they had to explain so much. So that was a real effect on the first one. This one's like, all right, they expect you to remember that a little bit, but it's like, what is happening behind <laughs> you? <laughs> but it's like, I don't remember really. So I have to go rewatch the first one and then I'll come back to it. My, my immediate thoughts upon seeing this trailer is that I had to rewatch the first movie because there wasn't a lot of context that goes with this trailer. Ricky flicks. If you're watching the YouTube, Ricky is in an argument with someone right now. I think it's, I think it's doc senior Ricky. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I don't, <laughs> I, he's asking me where my sibling, uh, PKO and my our mother is. I don't know where they are. No, this is classic I'm, family I, issues. I'm right in now. my room. But I was I saying, Ricky, I don't know if you actually caught that, but I'm saying I'm going to check out the first movie potentially tonight uh, just to kind of compare because my when we were in the theaters and we saw this trailer, like I was in awe. And I think there was something majestic about it. You're right. There was very little dialogue. You have one very important line said right? Our family is a fortress. This gave you like Pocahontas like type vibes as their hair is blowing, right? Big emphasis on nature, even though all these are computer generated shots, right? The way of water. Um, but in the, the score is beautiful. The score is so beautiful. It really just, it makes the trailer along with the visuals. You didn't need any of it uh, in terms of like dialogue and like, you don't really know what's happening, but that's okay. And people were saying on Twitter, like, it's just going to be the same thing as the first one. I'm like, 
how do you know anything? <laughs> like, how do you know anything about this? You movie? don't know like, anything in like, this it one. Like, literally, was just trying to show off how amazing this movie is going to look in theaters. And upon seeing this trailer, Ricky Flex, I take back the fact I said it wasn't going to hit a billion dollars. It's I don't think it's going to hit two billion, but I believe it's going to make at least a billion dollars after Avatar, like, is the highest grossing movie of all time uh, ahead of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yes, yeah, still is cheapishly, but uh, yeah, I I never. I always thought it would make over a billion because it's just people like me that didn't see it the first time. We'll go see it. And also it's just such an event and you're just such anticipation for it. Like they originally said like the second one was going to come out like a few years after the first one. And now we're 12, 13 years now. I think the anticipation kind of la lapped a little bit, but now with this teaser trailer and we're going to get more uh, promos throughout the year, the anticipation is going to come back, come back in full swing. If anything, more because of all the, this this huge box office run that movie theaters have seen from the, all these superhero movies and all these big climatic movies that we've seen over the past ten years or so. It's like this one's just going to add to that fire, you know. And I was fire. I was surprised when we saw the trailer in theaters. The reaction from the crowds, everyone was like, "Ooh!" Oh. They were like, they were like literally a gasp on like how the movie they didn't know the trailer was coming first of all because like i think most people didn't just like we kind of knew avatar was going to be as a trailer before multiverse of madness like i, I feel like 90 percent of the theater did not know this and it seemed like there was a buzz in the theater it seems like there is Definitely. some momentum for this movie we live on movie twitter and it seems like everyone hates on avatar uh but it seems like that doesn't represent the entire pop or like the movie going population people like this movie some people love avatar and uh you're right 13 years in the making let's see if we can live up to the hype imagine if it does like imagine if it's like an even better story than the first one okay has more depth and then looks incredibly like like it takes another like level to its cinematography uh in this movie and uh i think a billion dollars is definitely attainable here yeah no um, doubt in terms of other trailers here, any thoughts on Avatar before we round that? Just don't count out James Cameron. Like he's still James Cameron, a billion dollars. Never a doubt in my mind, but we'll see. And uh yeah, I I, I I'm not a big fan of the first Avatar, but I'll say this, like I don't I used to be like that in that camp saying it's overrated, but now I feel like that camp is like we're, it's gotten out of fashion. Where now it's like, okay, everyone knows it's overrated. But is it that bad now? Because now we just crap on it all the time. And now I'm kind of in the other camp where it's like, oh, I think it's better than what people say, but I still don't like the movie. But I still think it's better than what people say on movie Twitter. So I think Twitter. So it's like Twitter. this whole 13 years has just been way too long for a sequel. But I this teaser trailer looked amazing. And I'm saying that as someone that doesn't like the movie. It does. And uh, it has a great cast. I'm excited to see where, what these newcomers are bringing to the table people like kate winslet michelle yo okay people returning like sam worthington like seeing him back on the big stage and a huge blockbuster all right returning to this world uh steven lang sigourney weaver zoe zaldana you know it's just good to see these people back along with like who they're adding it's exciting it's it is super exciting so uh they're also ricky i will mention quick with the trailer roundup there's a father of the bride remake that's coming out in june like what the heck i, I didn't know I didn't even know the original was from 1950. And there was a remake with, obviously, Steve Martin, right, in the 80s. Do you hear that? Yes. <laughs> there was a remake with Steve Martin, obviously, that's beloved. But this one just, it looks terrible to me. I don't know. Did you, did you see this trailer? It looks horrendous. I only <laughs> I only watched the trailer because you 
you put it on the trailer roundup list here in our notes, opening notes here that we share. And I wish he didn't put it on because it looked so bad. It, Andy, Garcia. Andy Garcia. Is he one of the more overrated actors that we've seen in Hollywood? Or is he just like on such a decline now? I don't I know. Like, I feel like he's just irrelevant, right? This just hasn't done anything with of substance in so long after having a, a, a solid run in the mid to late 80s, early 90s. He had a solid run. He just uh, doesn't seem like he's willing to put in like all the work that's going to take with the, to reach that level he was at previously. And you know, does he I really I, want to, though? He's doing a Father the Bride remake. I don't think he wants I, to. You know what I was thinking? I wish that he appeared in The Irishman. I feel like he, he could have had a role in The Irishman somewhere. That would be interesting. Like, kind of like Godfather Part 3. Like He was a more positive aspect of Godfather 3, in my opinion. So I think he could have like taken some of the roles that were – like Maniscalco, I think, had a role in The Irishman. You had um, just one of the lower-level bosses, uh, Bobby Cannavale. He could have played that character or something, add some more prestige to the movie, and like kind of give him a little kickstart. Like, you know, bring him back I, into I, that I world. I think that's a decent shout. Maybe uh, Sopranos, um, the prequel, Saints, Many Saints in New York, he could have done something with. Like, I don't know. 100%. Um, I, I definitely see your point, but at the end of the day, you said he's irrelevant. And it sucks because I do think, like, even watching the trailer, he does have that suave still a little bit. He still has that charisma, but it's just now he's old and doing Father of the Bride remix for HBO Max, not even in theaters. All right, that's going to do for the trailer roundup. We're not talking about this Father of the Bride remake anymore. I just It just caught my eye. And, like, it's a beloved movie, and the sequel is even beloved with Steve Martin. Just to see it, like, kind of, like, pop out of nowhere here, um, it's weird. It's, it's just weird. And it's not even a show. It's a movie. They try and do a couple of different spins on it. Uh, I'm, I'm not. If it's not Steve Martin, if it's not Martin Short, I don't want it. <laughs> uh, shout out Martin Short. Shout out Only Murders in the Building Season 2 coming. So where else? Let's go to the checkup. What do we want to start with? I think we got to bring up. We brought up Michelle Yeoh. Okay. I do want to talk about one of my favorite um, romantic comedies, Crazy Rich Asians, is getting a spinoff. Starring Gemma Chan, all right? I like this. I know this may be not where you wanted to start, but I I love Crazy Rich Asians. And to see Gemma Chan is one of, like, obviously one of the, like, the rising stars in Hollywood right now. She, her starring in Eternals, okay? Her character was kind of a scene stealer in Crazy Rich Asians because she was so stunning and she, her role was so subtle but also so good. I think She's getting a spinoff with another actor that was in Crazy Rich Asians. She's getting a divorce, I assume, in this movie. But Ricky Flex, are you surprised that you're getting we hear about the spinoff that has more news to it than like a sequel to Crazy Rich Asians? Is it a spinoff prequel? I don't. Th I don't think it's a prequel. I think the guy is was in the movie that she ends up dating now because she's oh. getting a divorce. Okay. Well. Hmm. So Crazy Rich Asians, like you said, it's one of your favorite rom coms. Oh yeah. It's like. The more I watch, it's like a classic. Like now, like you see it on TV, you put it on. I think I've seen it so many times. It doesn't have the same buzz to me as it used You're to. Numb do to it. it. Yeah, uh, a little bit, to be honest. But what I will say is that Gemma Chan's so hot in the streets right now. Even in Eternals movie that I didn't like, still, it's Gemma Chan. She has that name recognition now where it's like, I'm going to watch this no matter what. Even if you didn't, like, I like Crazy Rich Asians. But even if you didn't like Crazy Rich Asians, it's like, but you like Gemma Chan now. She has that name recognition, like I said. So you're going to watch this. And her character in that as well is like worthy of a spinoff in my eyes. Very like a lot of curiosity around that character. So I think that this is worthy and I will watch. I don't know if I would pay. I wouldn't pay to see this in a movie theater, 
I would do it on uh, like a streaming service, but like because I don't know, like I'm paying to see it. I, I, like, I I'll give know. me give me crazy rich Asians. I might watch that after I watch Avatar tonight. I like I not even just I put that on just like not when it's on TV. I don't have cable anymore. I will just throw that on HBO Max because it's it's comfort TV. Streaming. It's comfort TV. But Gemma Chan, she has like a presence about her. It's a little different. Like brings a little gravitas like to the character, right? And a kind of a like a high paced active movie she kind of slows everything down you know it's in a, in a good way so i'm i'm excited to see that and i would like to see an actual sequel to crazy rich asians moving on with the checkup here ricky flex warner brothers apparently is considering replacing ezra miller as the flash no duh uh but we have an actor that's being thrown in the mix to replace ezra miller dylan o'brien might potentially replace Ezra Miller as the Flash. What do you think about this potential replacement? And is the is the is the is the hierarchy of power in the DC universe about to change? <laughs> um, this seems like when I was when I saw this this news today, I was like, "Huh, he's got to make a big step here." But it kind of makes sense, like similar feel and look to Ezra Miller, right? But I, I don't know, like I. Like, if you look through his, like, IMDb, like, I was trying to think of it in my head. I'm like, what has he done besides, like, the Maze Runner, like, franchise? Kirby and he did one episode. Yeah, and good episode. I think the first time I ever encountered him was with the internship, the Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Google internship movie, when he's uh, the nerd, like, the emo nerd in the group. So it's like, he doesn't have a great resume, yet he's going to play The Flash, which is about to go next to Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, one of the core Justice League members. It's like, huh. But I will say, like, his name is always hot in the streets. He, everyone seems to like him. I I don't see it. Like, where, I guess because he carried a franchise that, like, a, a box office success in the Maze Runner. I guess that's another big reason why, like, that's, like, a, a superhero is, like, the next logical step. It's just that now you're thinking of, like, what the MCU is doing. You, they're bringing in people that already are acclaimed actors to be their superheroes or supervillains. And it used to be this way where you're up and coming. So I'm okay with it. It's a nice replacement to Ezra Miller, a similar type. It's just, it was a little shocking to me, but it makes sense. So I'm not that surprised because he's very popular with young audiences. Okay. He's got a much cleaner reputation than Ezra Miller. And that's if any, if DC, if DC needs anything right now, they need actors with clean reputations. He also like Teen Wolf. People associate him with never right. seen the never seen the show, but that was like his vehicle along with Maze Runner, like both like very much young adult franchises, you know. And then going beyond that, he's in the outfit, which is doing very well critically. And so seeing him there, right, trying like it kind of like adds to that IMDb, bolsters it a little bit, gives him some more credibility if he was to become the Flash. What really threw me off is that he looks like Grant Gustin. Like he looks like the guy who plays the flash on TV to me. So like, it's just like people are clamoring for this guy, Grant Gus to transition uh, naturally DC multiverse from the CW series. That was, that is still going on, I believe uh, to the films, right? People are clamoring for that. I'm not a fan of that just because I've never seen the show. I, I've seen clips of the show. I will never get into that show just because it looks like amateur in some ways to me. And I don't like have a passion for those DC CW shows. I never, they just don't do it for me. Uh, but it's just weird to me that they kind of looked a similar slender, like 
type of figure, tall. So I don't know. Did, you, did that go through your mind at all? I don't want Graham Gustafson near a movie uh, movie screen, a movie theater screen. Jeez. He is a yeah. soap opera actor. And no disrespect, he has somehow pulled off nine seasons of The Flash. But I watched The Flash, and I liked that show. I didn't love it. I liked it the first few seasons. because Not because of him, even, even though like he wasn't bad. But the villains, the storylines, the connection to the comics, very cool. Same thing with Arrow. The first couple seasons, very good. But then there's a steep drop-off because it's CW, cable, soap opera feel. It literally has the, the moments, like like in a general hospital, when they have the one-on-one conversations, you know? Like you see those clips on Twitter, like with Stephen A. Smith in general hospital, and they have that music backdrop that's classic soap over, opera music. Over-emotional. Exactly. But they're talking about, I want a chai latte. Do I want a grande or a vente? Like, <laughs> they stuff like it's just like it's Maybe literally a stone today. It's ridiculous. So I don't want a soap opera actor on the big screen as a core member of the Justice League. So get someone like Dylan O'Brien up and coming, like you said, well liked with the younger audience. That's a good point by you. And again, like I just seems like it's a sitting fit. He's shown that he's worried uh, worthy that he can carry a box office franchise. So I know the Maze Runner versus. The Flash is completely different, but it's like it's the next logical step for him. Yeah, I mean, I I I I welcome Dylan O'Brien as the next Flash. Honestly, like anything, I welcome him a lot more than Graham Gustafson. Well, even more more so than Ezra Miller. <laughs> like yeah. Ezra Miller just but has to go. It'd be, I, I, it'd be hilarious if they used like the multiverse to bring in a new Flash in his own movie. I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be interesting. But um, I also just wanted to mention one more thing because. Dylan O'Brien is connected to one of my guys. And I think I could uh, say one of our guys. So one of the movies, he's ha- he has a comedy coming out, um, I think this year. Okay. And it's called Maximum Truth. And he's the star of it next to Ike Barinholtz. I see that. I'm looking and at it right Ike now. Ike Barinholtz is a writer on it, co-writer with David Stassen, who they both also were co-writers on Central Intelligence. And... David Stassen also, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name right, directed um, Blockers, which Ike Barinholtz was a scene stealer in, next to John Cena. So I, that, I'm actually really interested in this. And I just wanted to mention this because like, I was just like, you know, IMDb, like, you know, Dylan O'Brien, whatever, trying to double check what I know here. And then when I saw this, I was just like, hmm, the comedic chops, the flash, what are they doing? They're making them a com- uh, kind of a, the, comedy guy in the justice league here with aquaman i'm on board like i i put off if he could do this I, hopefully at maximum truth he does pull it off but like next to ike Barinholtz, like I, I have faith in it so yeah i could definitely see him being the flash here the more i'm talking about it the less faith i have oh no <laughs> like like I'm, i was just thinking about it like would marvel like cast dylan o'brien in anything no he's like old news kind of He's kind of he's like, is he he's, though? It's just like, I don't know. I just because he had Teen Wolf and that ended what in 2017 or something. He was in was, the, wasn't he in the Taylor the Swift outfit we talked about? Oh, you're right. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why that's why he was, he's kind of hashtag back. He's in that yeah. Taylor Swift video. Oh, you're right. Never mind. Like, he's very much in the, in the news and like in, I guess, his name's out there. I just, I can't. Like I just don't see a world where like Marvel would have cast Dylan O'Brien. I don't know. Like, you look at Miss Marvel. You're looking at Hawkeye with Haley Steinfeld. Like 
You're right. But like those are like no names that they are trying to put on the map, you know, rather than like an established character like the Flash is supposed to be. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crap. You know? It's a, um yeah, it's a I risk. It's a risk. I, I I didn't mean to be a Debbie Downer there, but like as you went on your soliloquy, I was just like thinking I I did like a like a Ben Affleck, hello darkness, my old friend. Just like reflecting on DC casting decisions and uh, wondering if this would actually work. But maximum truth, like Baron Holtz, I'm in for that one at least. All uh, right. Next, where do we want to go? Dirty Dancing's getting a sequel. Good for them. I thought we already had a sequel. Is Havana Knight not a sequel? Is that a prequel? What is that? Never seen it. Neither have I. I've only seen the original, and it seems weird that we're getting a sequel now. I know we talked about this, I want to say a couple of years ago, maybe. I a do year want ago. to say that as well. We talked about Patrick Swayze, how he's gone. Like, how are you going to have a Dirty Dancing sequel without Patrick Swayze? Like, no thank you. You know? Don't know. Um, Maybe it's Swayze's son. Who Nobody would play, puts baby in a Who corner. would play Patrick Swayze's son from Dirty Dancing? Cast that right now. Zach Efron. Um, maybe. Think. It's got to be like, I don't even know. Like you think of the Baywatch movie. <laughs> that's what I think that's, of. That's, 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 yeah, that's why I said Efron Zac Efron. Like, who is like this like chiseled absolutely yoked up long hair i was gonna dude. say austin butler because like the <laughs> i the could say have you got hair. yoked up a little bit you know yeah i'm just uh, trying to think who who would i imagine? i'm trying to think dancing too like dancers that's why i also said austin butler um yeah i don't know like i, I, I was just trying to think of something right now off the off the cuff but i think like a joked a yoked up austin butler makes sense or the one you said earlier um Zach Efron. Uh, Efron. He, he, Efron has a new movie this week, bro. Firestarter. Yeah. Firestarter Peacock. There's a clip that came out today. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, moving along, Apple TV is delaying Emancipation starring Will Smith to 2023. This is like the latest in the string of movies where they've been delayed for Will Smith. This was a potential vehicle for him to really make some noise playing a fugitive slave. All right. Uh, so I think that has a lot of potential for Will Smith. It might be a good idea to delay this one a year in case it has any type of Oscar buzz because I feel like anything Will Smith puts out for next year's Oscars will just be brushed to the side by literally everybody, especially the Academy. So waiting it out a year is probably a good idea. I, I'm, I'm on board with delaying this. Time one. heals. Time heals. <laughs> yes. Chris, uh, even Chris Rock's face heals. All right. Next. What else? Momoa starring in The Executioner, an action murder mystery film for Warner Brothers. Films described as Knives Out meets Lord of the Rings. That's a hell of a duo. Uh, I guess, I don't know. It's not many Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is wrapped filming. Jason Statham is going to star in The Beekeeper with David Ayer set to direct. Hilarious name. Yes. And look, the bee, look, listen to the synopsis. The film is described as an action thriller steeped in the mythology of beekeeping which follows a man's personal journey of vengeance that takes on national stakes. Like he should be like, he should make his own superhero here. Is he going to be like a B God? Like what, what, <laughs> I was thinking like, is this going to be the B movie live action? But it's like, gonna, like you think of like Batman versus Superman, where in the very beginning, like Bruce is being like summoned by the bats and all of a sudden he's floating. Is there going to be a scene where Jason Statham is like floating, like by the bees carrying him? Like what, I, what is this movie? David Ayer. Like this is what we're coming back with after Suicide Squad. I don't know. When I, when I saw the title, like Jason Statham in the beekeeper, like the headline, I was thinking, oh, like he's probably an ex-Marine, ex-CIA or ex, uh, you know, like British CIA. What's that called? Uh, whatever. MI6. And 
you know, he just wanted to retire and become a beekeeper, but then like someone ruined his bees or something, then he's on a revenge tour. That's what I what I was thinking. But then when you just say that, I don't know, mythology of beekeeping, like Jason Statham, like what what are we doing? I don't know. Um, uh, we'll see though. It just caught my attention. The mythology of bees. Like who comes up with this stuff? What in the what was the tax the tax the tax collector was Ayers last movie with Shia LaBeouf? Remember that one? <sighs> Didn't see it. Yeah, that was like pandemic. Like, who's renting this movie? The like, Nobody saw it, and it was just god awful from the reviews. Tough. But that's all I got for the checkup this week, and that's gonna do it for our episode. As I said before, make sure to check out on our feed Multiverse of Madness spoiler and non-spoiler review. All right, check that out. Also on YouTube later on this week on Thursday, we are dropping a very special draft. Ricky, what is our draft Thursday? It's a. Uh... Like characters you wish you could have saved from death. Perfect. It's going to be a very fun draft, a creative draft, and we have a very special guest that we will not reveal until the episode drops. But little hint, it's a recurring guest. All right. Make sure that you're following us on social media, okay? Checking out uh, what Ricky Flex has in terms of graphics, what he's doing, what we keep up with all the newest trailers, all the news, okay? At the Driving Pod, Instagram, TikTok. And then make sure you are subscribed and following wherever you get your podcast or whatever platform. So that's going to do it for episode 101. Until next time, we will smell you.